This is the best of two pros in a cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. Now, we could sit here, we could break down the uh, the game uh, yesterday, but uh, who cares? Uh, in the words of Brady Quinn, who cares? I mean, they did get shut out. Yeah, though. you know, listen, uh, it's hard to score in the NFL. Uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, there was a report that came out on Saturday, uh, this according to Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, that uh, there is tension within the Jags uh, organization between Urban Meyer and players and coaches. And in the report, it listed, um, you know, that Urban Meyer called his coaches losers and said that he's a winner and that uh, he challenged them uh, to, you know, to ask them about their resumes. Uh, He also, uh, according to uh, the report, that players on the Jaguars are very frustrated. Marvin Jones walked out because of some of the criticism. They had to go get him. Yeah, because he was criticized in the White receivers, uh, players on the field after their game against the Rams last week complained that Urban Meyer doesn't treat them like adults, etc., etc., etc. All this stuff coming out on Saturday. Urban Meyer, of course, was asked about it on Sunday after the loss. Here's what he had to say yesterday. What's the answer? Uh, start leaking information or some nonsense? No, that's nonsense. That's garbage. That's, uh, you know, that's once again, I've been very blessed. I've not really dealt with that. I've, been, I've not dealt with, well, did you hear what he said? What? No. Let's improve on offense and get our quarterback in a position to be successful. That's our focus. What someone's brother said or someone said someone said that will that will occupy very little of my time and if if there is a source that source is unemployed i mean within seconds if there's some source that's doing it shot fired yeah so there you you all notice i i can i can tell you this much i know for a fact whatever was said about the marvin jones things didn't didn't happen uh i know for a fact about that now are there potential leaks coming out of Jacksonville probably I mean that, that's how this stuff gets out you know but there's there's also been people who have been angling or trying to take shots or you know basically put out this story that it's not going to work since day one since Urban Meyer got 100%. there I mean that's my issue with all of this is the media never gave Urban Meyer a chance and and from the get-go it starts with the fact that a lot of the media members who have no relationship with Urban Meyer or any other college coach for that matter hate the fact that they would have to, one, develop a relationship with someone new again, and two, I feel like there's this sentiment that college and NFL, it's like the minor leagues and big leagues. And so when you have a coach comes up like a Cliff Kingsbury who's done so much and been so successful and gotten better every, every single year – the media at the NFL level like hates to admit it because they don't like to admit the fact that like that can be done. And it's almost like, oh, so maybe a, a college writer can come up to the NFL ranks and take over that senior position job for whoever it is. You know, whatever website, whatever, you know, uh, you know p- newspaper, if we even have that anymore, whatever the case may be. Like, there's almost this, like, sense of, well, we're the big leagues, and you can't just come up here and be successful. You can't make your way work up here. That's not how this whole thing works. And, and it seems like every single, at every single chance, instead of, like, hearing them out or waiting to see how it looks, they, they, they're trying to push him out before he's really even been given a chance. 
So I, I just I feel like the media has had it out for him in the first place. I, I know people who are personally and emotionally frustrated with the fact they haven't got as much access in Jacksonville. And people who have worked in that market for a long time and haven't got access to them. And so now they have an axe to grind. And that's how they've handled things in Jacksonville purely because they haven't gotten to sit down or they haven't gotten time with them. Like, think about how catty that is. But that's how the media is now. Like, they use the power of the pen or what you used to say, the power of the pen, basically like a a vendetta just because their personal feelings are hurt instead of being professional about it. So what I hate about this is two things. The media never gave them a chance. And then now you've got coaches who, you know, maybe are feeling pressure, but they're trying to go for a life vest right now. And they're trying to jump off this ship and they're trying to save themselves. And that's how this stuff gets leaked out like that. that. That's why you're hearing about it right now. Self-preservation is always going to lead the way at the pro level. And and with what's taking place right now, of course, coaches and maybe even players are going to put it out there, their side of the story, before something possibly comes out. You know, it's always better to be in front of it than to be behind it. And and the idea of it is, is if you come out and you tell me after the fact, after and that's why I went out RG3, Right. If you come out after the fact and say what's already been said, it's already come out. You're disgruntled. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you say it ahead of time, it's like, oh, you were trying, you were trying, you were trying to tell us all along. And 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 so to me, that's that's self preservation, and that's putting yourself in a position where if things don't go the way you would want them to go, it you you have an opportunity to to manage the situation as it applies to you, whether a coach, whether a player. The thing that I think find interesting and, and just based off of some of what Brady is saying as well is when you talk about leaving the college ranks, when the media doesn't like you in the college ranks, which the media has never been a friend of Urban Meyer, they, they've never really loved him or admired him in that way where they've put him out there that way. One thing that I know for certain about media is once they've decided what you are to them, that's what you are to them. You will never be anything else doesn't matter what you do it'll always be you did that and that was great but this is still what we know this is who we know of you that's that's the media that was why I got into media but the thing about college is as much as you may dislike that coach if that coach is successful that coach is untouchable untouchable meaning the players you can't you can't you can't have a source the coaches you can't you can't have a source you're not going to – there's no college Adam Schefter. You're not – a coach isn't sitting there like, yeah, you know what? Urban is wrong for this. He said in this – he said this in the meeting or or a coach or a source leaked. They would sit in that meeting room. This is This is college ball. They would sit in that team meeting room, lock the doors. These are all the people that were in here that when this was said – we not leaving until we know who said it. <laughs> We're not leaving. Lock the doors. <laughs> Y'all want to put some snacks on the outside, whatever. We bring some snacks in. Don't mess up my, my meeting room. We not leaving until you let me know. The yeah. problem that happens is once you get to the pros, you don't have that type of control. You can't control the players that way. You can't control the coaches that way. You can't control other staff members. You can't control the training room staff, the weight room staff, which are coaches as well. You can't control what they do and what they say because it's the pro level. 
So now they have a voice just like you have a voice. They make more money than you make. They have more influence than you have most of the time. So you can't approach it that way. So now where we stand right now is Urban Meyer is at a crossroads of sorts already in his his early career as a head coach in the pros, and that is understanding how this all works, the rules of engagement of how all of this works and how people will use self-preservation in, in the best interest of their own agendas. He has to figure out how he's going to regain whatever it is that he needs to regain or establish whatever it is he needs to establish, and he's got to figure that out soon, relatively yeah. soon. I think the other reason why at, at the college level you don't see quite as much of this is because you, you get apprehensive from the play apprehensive from the players in the sense that I mean they're young men like do they really want to start trying to leak stuff out there or, or be like that maybe that's changing with some of these NIL deals but the other piece of that is the fact that the family's more involved in the decision like when you choose to go to a university and play for a certain coach you kind of know what you're signing up for. Like, you're, you're responsible for that decision because you ultimately made it. Like, yes, they offered you, but you ultimately made that decision to go there. It's a little different in the NFL when someone drafts you. You didn't have, you, you didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. They draft you. You know, or, or, I mean, maybe it was your only choice if you're a free agent where you're just trying to get on a team, get on the field, and so you're doing it out of necessity, not necessarily want and, and so there's, there's those few free agents who sign, but for the most part, like, some of these players didn't have a choice, right? Whereas in, in college, like, it's all about your choice to do so. so. And even the family helping you make that decision signs up for it. So I don't, I don't feel like you always see as many leaks from that standpoint because it's like if you're frustrated in college with where you're at – you got to look in the mirror because largely you're the one that made the decision why you're there in the first place. And there's a couple of things. And to Brady's point on this, he's never been given a fair shot by the media when he, since he got to the NFL. You remember he hired Chris Doyle, who's the former strength coach from Iowa. And Chris Doyle lasted, what, 36 hours there on the job because then everybody brought up all the stuff that happened at Iowa. Like, why would Urban Meyer bring him in? Well, I don't know, because he's one of the best at the job. Like, like you ask anybody, Bray, you've talked about it. Chris Doyle's respected as being really, really good at his job. There was yeah. stuff that, that went down at Iowa that came into question until Urban Meyer made the move. All right, we got to move on from him. He dared to give Tim Tebow a tryout. He just gave him a tryout and he got crushed for it. He got because cr- he ma- gave Tim Tebow a tryout. They, he didn't make the team. He didn't make the roster, but he got buried alive for it. And then this conversation about these assistant coaches inside this meeting that apparently, you know, leaked this to Tom Pelissero uh, or, or the NFL Network or whatever it is. Part of this that bothers me is that we're not adding context to this. So when Urban Meyer, people are running with this man, he told all these coaches they were losers and that he's a winner. Here's what I think happened. I think Urban Meyer said to these guys, this is a loser's mentality. This is a, I refuse to have a loser's mentality. I have a winner's mentality. And one of those guys got a red ass and was bothered by, by the way the conversation was going. And then he ran to the media and it got spun into this. It's all context. The John Gruden emails. One of the stories that came out of the John Gruden emails in Washington was that John Gruden asked somebody to perform oral sex on him. Remember that thing? When in reality, That's not what he asked him. He made a comment that a lot of guys have said to other guys, like, you know what? 
fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and when you actually write that down, it appears that, that, he, that he's asking for something. When it's not the case, it's a put down, it's an insult, it's a figure of speech. I got a great example for that, Jonas. But, but, but it's true. And, and, and all this stuff comes out. I just think it's complete crap. People ran with it. Like, grown men are going to sit there in a meeting and let Urban Meyer call him a loser to their face and ask him to flash their... Like, I just... like If you actually just sit and think about it, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. I remember... When when Coach Spurrier started to lose the locker, at the locker room, and it turned it started to turn into like mutiny, and 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 basically, you had one situation where where Bubba, um, um, Coach Spurrier's son, said to in in the meeting room, you know, can y'all stop can y'all stop calling each other n words, right? And it came by the time it got to the locker room, it was. Bubba called us the N-word. <laughs> Bubba said a bunch of N-words running around. And we was already, everybody was already on edge. So everybody, like, you know, you got you got one side that's, like, up in arms, like, how dare he, like, racist. I knew they was racist. I knew they I knew they were prejudiced. I knew they was racist. I knew they were, every word under the sun, that's right? crazy. And so now, whether the truth matters or not, the truth begins to get further and further away from being the true meaning of what the beef is all about. When we was in that meeting room, when we went into that team meeting room and and Coach Spurrier addressed what took place, when you got grown-ass men in a room and they have already decided what they feel and what they think, you can't win. There's no... If 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 you find yourself in a situation where you've taken somebody and you want to take them out of context because of one reason or another, you have already lost. And if Urban Meyer, and this is just me looking at it from, this is what I went through with Coach Spurrier coming from college and coming into the pro ranks. If you get to a point of where the players on your team want to have a problem and not not they were using the people that had a problem with coach Spurrier were using Bubba to have a problem with coach Spurrier being the coach I'm going to leverage this it doesn't matter what the truth is I am leveraging this so if Urban Meyer is finding himself where these players are now going to look at him and they're targeting him and they're leveraging whatever it is they're going to leverage based off of what was said, and it's getting to the media, all that is is the players or coaches or players and coaches putting themselves in a position where they could basically leverage Urban Meyer out of the job. It's their excuse to to go back to what they originally I've seen it happen before. Well, look, when you're losing football games, very seldom times do people, all right, not look in the mirror first. They try to point fingers. It's human nature because they, they all want to survive. They all want to have jobs next year. And when things don't go well in the NFL, there's going to be change, whether that's changes on the staff, changes at the head coaching spot, general manager, players, changes on the roster. That's how this works. And so when you get to a point where you're eliminated from the playoffs, it's become self-preservation mode. LeVar just said it. And, then, and you really find the true character of people at that point in time. Like, it really, it really does – identify those who are willing to fight and stay together and those who are just looking to save themselves because they know they probably haven't done a good enough job and they're going to be somewhere else the following year.
Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Lavar okay. Arrington tried to tell everybody that a storm was coming to the NFL. I did and say that, it was uh, a yeah. storm. Uh, her, he did. Her, Hurricane. Hurricane Micah yeah. uh, has appeared uh, in the NFL. And, and has he is, not slowed down. The winds he, are building up. He is a monster. And and yeah. he and as the season goes on, it seems like he's getting better and better. To yeah. where I don't know if there's such thing as a rookie wall. I hear that thrown out. They say I, there is. Knows. And it's funny because I, I, I was talking to them about the rookie wall like you are now approaching no man's land for your career and he's like man i'm just getting started Feeling good. <laughs> he had like, a right, you know, another right. another a couple of sacks yesterday. Uh, Dallas's offense is a whole other conversation. They're they're kind of weird to figure out. But Micah Parsons is a, is a flat out stud. And yeah. there's now people that are saying, you know, forget just you know defensive rookie of the year. Like somebody what, said what, that on this very yeah. show last oh, yeah. last week. What yeah. a defensive player of the year is now. Uh, you know, why some is that not? That out. And why is that not? Name a better defensive player. Nobody. Name, name, uh, or I'll say this because there are some players well, that you could say are better. Name somebody who's having more of an impact. Impact, yeah, on he, their team. He, the only guy than Parsons. that anybody wants to throw out is T.J. Watt, but T.J. Watt's missed time, and at some yeah. point, that's got to factor into the voting. But but here's the thing, right? When you start talking about most valuable defensive player, then you look at Micah Parsons' body of work. That man came in as a linebacker, and he played linebacker well. And then you you need him to be what you put him at, at the line of scrimmage for. You needed him to be a defensive lineman. And he goes, and all he does is give you – he boosts your, your pass rush. He boosts your defensive front. You've asked him to do multiple things for a veteran. Let me put this in the proper perspective – the reason why we see a guy like J.J. Watt or a guy like Aaron Donald and we lose our mind over them and we give them the, the awards and the love that we give them so so often and so many times is because they can play anywhere along the front of that defense. You take Aaron Donald, you take J.J. Watt, they could play defensive end. They could play defensive end on first down and second down, which is very different from a third down defensive end. They can play defensive tackle. They can play nose tackle. They can play any position and be just as dangerous as impactful anywhere on that field. Now, you take Michael Parsons. He can do all of those things where he stands in there and rushes like a defensive tackle or nose but also rushes like a defensive end and still plays on the back end of your defense as a linebacker. So he could be going up the A gap or in the B gap in one scenario and covering the running back or covering a tight end or a receiver in the next play and is just as effective in everything that he's doing. The impact that he's having, I don't know that I've seen a player have the type of impact that he's having at so many different positions. I haven't seen it. Not on defense. Not even with Lawrence Taylor. I haven't seen it. Oh, Lawrence Taylor did what he did on the outside. I tell you, you remember I told y'all coming into the season, 
if there was a baby that was made between Von Miller and Ray Lewis. Y'all remember I told y'all that, right? We talked about this. Yes. Right. Yeah. If Ray Lewis was, and Von Miller could have a baby, it would be Michael Parsons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's and that's the truth. I, I was I was more I got more caught up in the visual of, uh, uh, of, I didn't want to get yeah. caught up in yeah. the visual of it. Unfortunately just, you put it out I'm there. Sorry. I was like, oh God, hey, I hey Brady, I was, I was just more connecting the, to the play on the field. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, you should have just been like if they could like clone them or yeah. DNA. Yeah. <laughs> Like scientific. I, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I just was going nature. for effect. You well, know you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, me. Charles yeah. Barkley said that if uh, him and Shaq had a baby, it was Zion. So it mm. kind of ties into what uh, what's that's going on. That's actually, that's pretty funny, too. <laughs> um, that's pretty funny. But he's been, uh, I mean, unbelievable, yeah. man. And now we talked about the Defensive Player of the Year. We, look. Okay, what's the odds of that again? Right, I, I'm, so, I'm looking. Let's just do right, the math on so this. So Fox okay. bet. The odds yeah. have now dropped significantly, and we were texting back and forth about it yesterday. It's going to change after this week, week based on what he did uh, on the on the you know the show chain. We were just kind of throwing it out uh-huh. there, and were um, we? yeah, we were. Yeah. You threw it out there. Yeah, I don't yeah. think yeah, anybody. Jonas threw yeah, it out. Again, I don't even think anybody again, responded. But to again, you. Uh, but again, we not me. I didn't want to point that out. But oh, yeah, okay, I was right, uh, the first right. uh, on the forefront of this. Saturday, um, Saturday twelve. Uh, that is a good point. Uh, yeah. Micah Parsons is now the second favorite to win defensive rook, uh, player of the year according to Fox bet he's a plus 275 bet 100 win 275 the yeah, only guy is it even on the board for defensive rookie of the year uh, not anymore it's over okay. yeah it's over if it was on the board I'm just saying like those are the sorts of deals where even if he got hurt at this point in time of the season it's he's over. winning it and so it would be a shoe in and from an investment standpoint like I would legitimately look at that and say we could call it gambling but if you look at what the odds would be, even at like minus what one thousand, it, it's a guarantee. It's a shoe. It's Dundee. a guaranteed thing. Yep. Go put in a large sum of money on that. You know you're going to get that, you get that back in the return. Defensive player of the year. I, I wonder if they're going to hold against him the fact that he's a rookie and they want him maybe to to like earn it right. And as compared to someone else like a T.J. Watt or, or, or like another defensive uh, player that's a veteran. Miles Garrett is the favorite right now. This, according to Fox Bet, he's a 2-1 uh, to one favorite, so he's a slight favorite ahead of Micah Parsons. And then you've got uh, T.J. Watt that has dropped down to third. Uh, uh, Trevon Diggs. Uh, Ooh, Matt- that money then. Because Dallas is going to be more in the playoff hunt than, than Cleveland. I mean, even I though they got the win, it's still a little shaky. There. It's, it's oh. kind of muddy in well, the AFC. Miles Garrett isn't looking as dominant as he did oh, he when the nice season. He had a nice strip sack yesterday. Yeah, he, had a ni- he, he did have a nice He's strip so scoop good. and score, yeah. but he hasn't been as dominant as when he started the season. And then you look at T.J. Watt, we, we said it, he's missed time, and and really is he impacting this, this team in a way where you would say, yeah, he's a runaway shoe-in for it because of how many sacks he has. And and then and then the other guy that you always want to look at and you think about is Aaron Donald. We haven't heard anything from AD this year, so it's kind of like when you look at it and you really break it down to its bare minimum, what you said that conventional wisdom of approach definitely exists with the National Football League, not giving somebody the award because they're a rookie. Uh, and you look at somebody like, ah, maybe he doesn't deserve it as much, but he's still going to get it because of his body of work in years prior. But we still have a few more games left. And he's still – like, two sack, a two-sack game? Like, this is like Derek Thomas-esque. This is like Lawrence Taylor-esque. His, his trajectory right now, today, is on that of the greatest players to ever play the game ever. Yeah. 
And Ever. who drafted him? And who drafted him? I, I mean, say and his that's name. Going, and not say his name. Because <laughs> <laughs> when them receivers be running down field and they cut off the 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 routes, you know, just just two three yards before they're supposed to. That that guy that that'll defend one one player on his team, a franchise guy over uh, other guys. That Jerry Jones. So he's in Dallas. He's in Dallas, and you know what, DT. Derek Thomas, for y'all who don't know who DT is, look him up. He was in Kansas City. It's a different market, right? But you yeah. look at LT, what market was he in? Big market. He was in That's the right. New York market. And when you do things like what they're doing in the biggest markets, being in that Dallas market, playing on America's team, that may have a tremendous impact and bearing on the outcome of this, it, this defensive player of the year uh, race. Uh, why did he drop – to where he dropped and is was it just they brought up his character they they yeah. said okay, he was, had character was issues stuff, was it was yeah. it that or was it also the run on quarterbacks and so dallas is one of the because no, if you look at the he teams, should have been a top they had him projected being a top three pick and then he, and he then was a top got, three talent yeah 100 oh, yeah, no no and he just it dropped they they were basically saying he was immature and and there were question marks as to if he was his his mindset was the right mindset going into the draft. Well, it, it was also the fact that he was he was a linebacker, right? Like I don't know that people saw him slotting into the on the, the edge. Even though if you watch the tape, we saw him do it. I, I didn't. I don't know. Like the best thing that ever happened to him was the Cowboys saying like, "Hey, we need you at defensive end. Like you're gonna have to play defensive end because we're so banged up. We got guys with injuries." It's out of necessity. They, like, they almost fell into it as far as playing him there, and then it's almost benefited him more, showing that he's so versatile and he can do both of it, where I think now that you see it, if you were to redraft, people have been like, oh, no, no, we're going to do what, what, you know, we're going to put him on the edge because we know he can do that. Like, I don't know that people thought he was going to be as impactful off of the edge as he has been. I think people saw him more as an off-the-ball inside linebacker more so than a guy that's as versatile as what he's show play, showcased with the Cowboys now. I think if you put the film on and you look at him, you have to – it would have come down to picking your poison. Are you right. going to use him outside? Because his pass rushing ability is significant of a elite pass rusher. Are you going to use him inside as a middle right. backer? His, his football prowess, his understanding of the game – the way he diagnoses, one thing that people may not really see is his ability to get off of blockers. It's one of the best I've ever seen ever out of a player to be able to engage and disengage a blocker. Right. So he made tackles. And if you were paying attention, he did something historical at Penn State. He did not start and led the team in tackles as a freshman. It's yeah. never happened ever like people wow. say, when you try yeah. to describe him, how do you describe him? I said, I'm Morpheus. He's Neo. <laughs> He's the one. Like, I, like, yo, was he as good as you? He is different. Get back I've been back saying to the why he may have dropped, though. He also didn't play. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he sat out. So, so that's something out. that I think – I don't know how that sat with teams. I think there are some players, too, you – you know, you, you, you kind of figure like, hey, are they going to be dinged by this? I, I think maybe there's some teams who question that as well or weren't sure how to feel about it. 
Well, uh, they need to uh, 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 Thibodeau and all of them. Uh, anybody who ever decides to opt out of anything or sit out of it, that's really good. You need to send a thank you card to Mike Micah Parsons because nobody's going to ever take you light <laughs> just because so good, you man. were protecting your best interest going into something different. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern. 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. So the Green Bay Packers win last night. We talked about just, you know, some of the rumors, uh, you know, uh, the, the Bears uh, side of things. Uh, Green Bay gets it done. Uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, says afterwards that his toe has actually gotten worse, uh, whatever that means. Um, but Chris Collinsworth made a comment when they were talking about it late in the game because the game was obviously a blowout, not not a whole lot going on. And uh, him and Al Michaels were just saying that, you know, they were bloviating. Yeah, about Rodgers and their meeting with Rodgers and that they would be really surprised if Aaron Rodgers was somewhere else. And Aaron Rodgers said things have gone as well as they possibly could have gone. I've exceeded his expectations. Our relationships may be repaired with the front office here. Uh, and so it brings up a, um, you know, a just a, a, a conversation and a discussion that we have had uh, for months on this show uh, where Brady feels like this could be the end for Aaron Rodgers and Green No, Bay. Brady said it is the end. Okay, well, I mean, listen. There's uh, no way he's coming back. I mean, either way, somebody, you I mean, I don't Brady, want to speak for Brady. I mean, Brady's on, he's here. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, it's not like you're not here. Yeah, but just, uh, you know. I just wanted to make sure, though, I was... No. Somebody's gonna have to wear this one at the end of, the, of all this. Somebody on this show. Yeah, and, next year when yeah. we get to figure out whether or not he's there or not. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you, I mean, I'd rather Lavar speak because he's on this side of it. I, there's nothing really more to add to it. I, I just think as as good as things have gone this year, after the season, whatever that ends for Green Bay, whether in a Super Bowl or not, there is still the decision on what this organization is going to do moving forward with Aaron Rodgers. And Jordan Love. It's just a matter of fact. And I, I think regardless of the outcome, whether he wins a Super Bowl there with him this year, which very well could happen, or not, they're still going to have to come to a decision in regards to what do they do with the guy they drafted and traded up to get in the first round? And then what do they what do they foresee moving forward? You know, does, does Aaron come back to them and say, you know, I, I could play this game until – I'm 44 years old like Tom Brady and and be the league MVP, which it looks like Tom Brady is going to be the league MVP. I think, by the way, he'd be like the oldest league MVP by four or five years in all of professional sports. Like he's doing stuff we've never seen in any sport ever before. So if Aaron can convince them of that and, and they want to redo it, his contract again, sure, sure. But I, I just – I think there's still that conversation of – how do you put the toothpaste back in the tube of the Jordan Love draft pick? And what do you do with that moving forward? Yeah, I think the execution of of what Aaron Rodgers has done all the way up to this point, and, and I said he had to play well 
for for what he was trying to pull off in my estimation to work for the conversation to even get to a point of where Al Michaels and Collinsworth would even champion the conversation. I mean, and here's the reason why, and again, just, just you know, for, for the sake of it being, you know, a spectator of the game, they took uh, almost like an entire segment talking about it. And and it just made, it just sparked it. It re-sparked it in me. Like, I, you know, I had moved on from it. Um, and it's kind of, it is going to be a wait and see what happens. But I just thought that it was interesting because if you really are paying attention to the way Aaron, you know, manipulates his messaging, his branding, how he does things, he adverts total, total, uh, you know, catastrophe in terms of things that could happen to his reputation, um, you know, in terms of things that could really derail even though, you know, in a lot of ways the media wants to get something on him to begin with, but he seems to advert the total pile on that could take place in some of the things that he does. But it all fits a bigger plan for what he's trying to do. Now, whether things pan out the way that, you know, it's it looks like it's it's being manipulated, it remains to be seen. It's super, it's super entertaining to me because I feel like Aaron Rodgers did everything he did. I don't, I don't know what his motivations are. I don't, I, I, I'm not pretending to have any type of inside information. It's just purely me looking at how he says things or how he does things or at the timing of it. I think it was to ultimately stay in Green Bay, and is ultimately to have what he wanted to stay in Green Bay and I just found it to be interesting that now you know you talk about the breakup we we're talking about the inevitable breakup that's going to take place but then on a national on a national stage you have two two respected and and two credible guys having the conversation like look we're not trying to make news here and they they made that the point but it did sound as though the conversation that they were having with Aaron Rodgers really seemed like this is a guy that wants to stay in Green Bay. I guess the, my, my counter to that would be, is he going to sit in that production meeting and talk to him about how he's planning on leaving after the year? I mean, the reality is maybe he doesn't need to, to open up and, and say anything in particular about that. Right, but but I would just say in the moment of it, I don't know many people who are very open about what their intentions are if they are intending to leave afterwards. And again, I, I don't know that he knows what he's going to do. Like I think there's a real reality here where the contract that was renegotiated before the season was one in which where it now opens him up to leave if he wants to. And if he chooses to come back, he could. Now, you'd think that they would have to renegotiate it, right? But... I think that's at this point. I'm not sure he even knows what he wants to do moving forward. Maybe the organization doesn't know either. I just think the overwhelming amount of people who put a bow on it before the season even started that this is it. I think that it's now starting to unfold and and shape in a different way where it can't be a definitive. He's gone. The one thing that Collinsworth said that that I I don't agree with is that he was pointing out. You know, you know, he was in. Uh, he had some drama, obviously, with the COVID stuff, the immunization, whatever you want to call it, and all that. And he said, you know, maybe he now you know has a, a better appreciation for Green Bay because you know maybe uh, seeing all the uh, the publicity he got, et cetera. It's like 
Aaron Rodgers said this from the get-go. His issues aren't with Green Bay. He loves right, Green Bay. Right. He loves the fan base. He loves all that. It's the people within the front office that he's got the issue with, and those people are still there. So, so that's why I still kind of lean in towards I think he's going to be gone at the end of the season. I think this is it for him, and, and, and whether he, you know, he knows it 100% or not, if I were betting on this right now, I would bet that he's gone, that he's not well, a Packer. The, the other thing is the people who I think he has the biggest issue with are the people who speak the least during the season, right? And that's Mark Murphy, their president. And, and I don't think he has a bad relationship with Brian Gutenkunst, but, you know, their, their general manager, I mean, he was the one that kind of came out and the way he talked about when Aaron decided to come back, that relationship, it wasn't very glowing. It wasn't like throwing bouquets at it. I, I think we tend to have short-term memories, so we kind of forget the openness at which you know, Aaron spoke with when he first got back. And I think if you're looking at it from an organizational standpoint, they dodged a bullet with, you know, the lack of punishment, if you will, or however you want to describe it, about the press conference, the immunization comment, and how that was taken, and then how the, what, what protocols were broken moving forward. I mean, let's be real about it. It put their organization in what could have been a really tough spot or bad spot. So, the people who, you know, I, I think are, are ultimately going to speak in the offseason more or you hear from them more are the ones that you're not hearing from right now. And I think those are the ones that you want to gauge their interest from. You know, everyone's going to have their opinion on this. No, the only people who know are Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the people who represent him and obviously Mark Murphy and Brian Gutenkunst. Yeah, I agree with that. But I will say this, what goes more into the discussion point of Aaron Rodgers being in – the right direction or being on the right side of what what's going to play out is directly associated with how the immunization situation played out and took place. That's a that's an amazing opportunity for the front office to gain some ground on him. They didn't have to it didn't have to come out the way. In fact, if he didn't get caught up with covid, we wouldn't have even known that this is what was going on. What could they have done though? The organization no, the organization could have either forced him to get the the immune uh, get to the vaccine, or if you're not forcing him to get the vaccine, well, we're they, not covering for you. They, they can't force him to get right, it, right. right. That, Understandable. Yeah. So you're not covering for him, though, is what I'm saying. Either you're getting the vaccination, or you're not walking around here acting as though you you've been vaccinated. You see what I'm saying? Is that was an opportunity for that front office and that organization to say, here is an easy, this is an easy win for us to discredit Aaron Rodgers. It ultimately came out anyway, and now it makes you look like you're in cahoots with Aaron because he's walking around without a vaccination, but carrying things, if you recall, the reason why the media had such a problem with this whole situation was that Aaron Rodgers was walking around and doing things as if he had the vaccination. That so, was the whole argument. Because point. they kept it under wraps, you think that right. they were sort of. I mean, think about it. That's com yeah, that's no, common I, sense to me. If well, you got if you got an axe to grind with him, you're sure, not going to let they, him they walk also, around like that. I do wonder if maybe there's a degree of it that they didn't know either. <clears throat> but how? Maybe, how can uh, they not know? Well, it's personal health information, and so that information then needs to be taken from your your insurance provider and then and spread to your employer. 
you know, they have to ask for your permission to do so. But then the idea of that is, is that the the whole percentage of guys that are vaccinated, where is that coming from? And the protocols that you're supposed to take in terms of how many times you test, where you have mask on, all of yeah. those different things, they had to have known. It's a, it's an NFL PA issue too, though. And, you know, and so I don't I don't know what rights that you know he wanted to keep private and all that. Again, only they know what happened behind closed doors, but. You know, to, to further that point, like I, I just look at it and say, well, what were they going to do? They probably got to a certain point, too, where like, what are you you're going to, you know, force them to be in this position? Is that is that what's best well, for your organization? If you think about it, he forced them into a position by doing right. the press conference the way that he did. Cool. So what I'm saying is, is they could that could have easily given them an opportunity to give to their fan base and give to the national media a situation where that man said I was immunized. Sure. And but, and but he was why, not he was why not vaccinated. Would why would they? Well, the because that could keep them out of the way. Now instead of well, when it when the covid hit him, now it's 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 an Aaron Rodgers situation, not so, a Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. So they don't, situation. they don't look compliant with what what his That's decision. correct. They yeah. look like they were in cahoots. But I, I just I I think overall they've uh, they've taken the approach and Rodgers to a certain extent has taken an approach of hey let's play nice this year uh we we both want to win a Super Bowl let's play nice and and if things start to if we start to go back and forth in the media then that's just going to cause problems I I think their sole focus is trying to win a Super Bowl anyone that's ever been in a long-term relationship knows that sometimes you gotta break up the makeup anybody knows it like makeup makeup time is sometimes the best time spent. What do you mean by why, that? Why did you do that? Why, you, why did you do just, that? Makeup just, time I'm is sometimes way more intense okay. and way I don't more know, and way I, better. I don't All see, right, let me just I don't see many down. people get divorced <laughs> and get back together. But some have. Some have. They haven't gone through the divorce yet. They're yeah, talking just, about uh, the divorce. Let me just jot this down. They haven't. Here. Some yeah. people, you know, I, I mean, people I like get separated. Man song. Yeah, people get separated. Well, there is a song. Is it Method Man? Just, there, is it Method Man? Uh, like, is just it jotting this down? Here. <laughs> just jotting There's an old school song right. that you gotta you gotta uh, break up the makeup. It's an old <laughs> yeah. song. I forget what. It's. Is it? Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.